My name's John Redmond. I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. And today on Peace by Believing, we're going to be thinking together about divine connections. Divine connections. That is, those people whom God brings into our lives who become real blessings to us. They become real encouragers to us. And they enrich our lives. And they teach us things. And they help us to experience God in ways that we never would have had they not come into our lives. If you have your Bible today, I would encourage you to open it to the book of Ruth. We're going to be looking in chapter 2 today. It's a familiar story about how God brought Ruth and Boaz together. It became one of the greatest divine connections in all of history. It is one of the greatest divine connections in all of the Bible. And I'm praying today, as we think about this passage of Scripture together, that this sermon will be a blessing to you. What is a divine connection? It is simply a person who comes into our lives suddenly and unexpectedly, whose presence changes everything. Literally, they change our lives for the better. Now, We've all had divine connections in our lives. Those of you who are married here today, your spouse is a divine connection. Friends can be divine connections. An employer or an employee can be a divine connection. A teacher, a coach, a friend at school, these are all divine connections. Turn to the person next to you and say, I think you're a divine connection for me. Tell them that. Well, hopefully that person isn't, hopefully they're not a total stranger that you just said that to because that may be kind of... That may be kind of creepy. But anyway, a divine connection is that person who just comes into our life. And, you know, we didn't really instigate it or have anything to do with it. It just happened. I was thinking about my own life. And just like you, I've had people that God has brought into my life who have been such a blessing to me. And as I was thinking, who would be a good illustration today? I thought about a person whom God brought into my life back in 2004. My dad and I were in Southern California at Saddleback Church attending a conference being taught by Rick Warren. And on the day that we were to fly back to Houston, his cell phone rang and lady on the phone said, Dr. Redmond, my mother has died and I'm wondering if you can do the funeral next week. And she gave him the day when the funeral was going to be. And he said, well, I'm so sorry that your mother's passed away. He said, unfortunately, I'm already committed to speak in another funeral at that same time. And so I can't do it. And he said, but John's available if you want him to help you. You know, another one of our ministers, they'll be glad to you. And the lady said back to my dad, well, in a pinch, John will do. <laughs> That's kind of a motto here at First Baptist for those of you who are visiting. In a pinch, John will do. If nobody else can do it, John will do it. So anyway, I did it. And the lady said to me, who was a good friend of mine as well, she said, John, my mother and father were founding members of Lakewood Church back when John and Dodie Osteen founded that church so many years ago. And so Dodie Osteen is going to come and speak at the service to represent Lakewood. But since our church, First Baptist, we wanted one of our ministers to speak. And she said, so when you get to the service, Dodie will be there. You can meet her. Y'all can figure out how you're going to divide up the service. And so I got there to the funeral home that day. I had the privilege of meeting her. I had never met her or anybody from her family. But I've always been blessed by their ministry on 
television, first her husband and now her son, all of their family. And so I met her, and we kind of hit it off, to be honest with you. Just kind of had a, a good connection right there. And we did the service, and after the service was over with, she said to me, John, do you ever like to go to a Houston Astros baseball game? And I said, well, I do. I really do. And she said, well, I tell you what, I'm gonna, I get tickets regularly. I'm going to call you. Well, when she said that, I knew she was sincere. I knew she meant it. But I thought, I bet that day never comes. She not gonna call, who am I? She's going to call me to go to an Astros game. Well, about a month later, she called. And she said, hey, I've got tickets to this particular game. Got four tickets. And the way it worked back in those days when Drayton McLean owned the team and his friend Gene Pemberton was the chaplain of the Houston Astros, anytime the Astros were in town for a homestand, she would get four tickets to one game. And she had a couple of couples in the church that uh, she would invite to go with her. But since her husband had already gone to heaven, she always had one extra ticket. And so she got where she would call me. And through the years, we've been to no telling how many Astros games together. And, you know, I was thinking about Dodie and the blessing she's been to my life and how she's encouraged me. And I think the most important thing that I've learned from her is that no matter what we face in life, if we will trust God, he will always see us through. I remember one night we had been to dinner and we had gone to see a play in Houston at the AD Players, kind of close by to the Galleria. And we had met at a parking lot and I had uh, taken my truck over there and she was there with this other couple and they had met me there and then we went to dinner and to the play. And after the play was over, she was driving me back to the parking lot where I had parked. And I don't know if you've ever ridden with Dodie, but when she sees a si- uh, like a speed limit sign that says 45 miles an hour, She thinks that means go 45 miles an hour faster than what you're currently going. And so she was driving down Westheimer one night about 110 miles an hour, and she saw the street where she was going to turn to get back to that parking lot, and she took the turn too fast. She hit a curb, and she gave herself a flat tire. One of her tires went flat. Well, she got up in the parking lot, and she parked it. She said, John, I've got a flat tire. Get out and change it for me. And what are you going to say, you know? And so... uh, I got out, and it was in the middle of the summer. I was dressed nice because of the play, and so I'm not a mechanic, but I do know how to change a flat, and so I got all the equipment out there, and I'm changing it. To be honest with you, I was having a hard time getting the lug nut loose, and so after about 15 minutes, she came out there, and she said, John, are you about finished with this? She said, I think it's taken about long enough. I said, well, I'm not quite finished, but I'll be finished in just a minute, so she went back and made herself comfortable in the air-conditioned car while I continued to uh, try to change that flat. About 15 or 20 minutes later, she came out there again. She said, John, this is ridiculous. Are you about finished? I said, well, Dodie, to be honest with you, I can't. I'm having a hard time getting this lug nut loose. And I I said, that's my problem. And she did something I've never seen anybody do. She looked straight at that lug nut. And she said, lug nut, be loosed in Jesus' name. And I thought, wow, I've seen it all now. She's done rebuking a lug nut. As God is my witness, when I turned that wrench one more time to the left, that lug nut came off, ladies and gentlemen. It came off of of that thing. And I wanted to say to her, why didn't you do that 40 minutes ago when I was out here sweating to death like this? You waited to see how dirty I could get, and then you did it. But, you know, I think about her, and I have so many memories like that with her, and just in normal, natural situations, experiences I've been in with her, just to see how she would handle it and how she has trusted God. And, you know, I just hope that some of that, and I think some of it has rubbed off on me. But we've all had divine connections in our lives. That is, those people 
at crucial times in our lives that God has just brought into our life, and it was sudden, it was unexpected, we didn't see it coming. Without God, we never could have had these connections, and yet they've made our lives so much better, so much fuller, and they've helped us to grow closer to God in our relationship with Him. Now, in Ruth chapter 2, we read about a divine connection. Ruth, of course, was a young lady. She was a young widow, actually. Her husband had died, and she had lived and grown up in a foreign pagan country called Moab, where they worshipped false gods. And after her husband died, she ended up leaving Moab, and she came to Israel to live in Bethlehem with her mother-in-law, whose name was Naomi. And so after she got into Bethlehem, and she was trying to be respectful of Naomi and help her any way she could, but certainly as Ruth thought about her future, no husband, no children, no job, she had to wonder, how's my life going to work out? How will I have enough food to eat? Will I ever get married again? Will I always be single? You know these thoughts had to go through her mind from time to time. And yet in Ruth chapter 2, we read that God brought a man named Boaz into her life, It's a beautiful love story. They ended up falling in love. They ended up getting married. That's how the book ends. But on the way to that wedding, as they were first getting to know each other, we learn some wonderful lessons about divine connections. Now, what I know is today, on one level or another, there are a lot of people in church today, truth be known, you need a divine connection. I'm not necessarily just talking about the marriage relationship like it was with Ruth and Boaz, although that may be what's on your mind today. Maybe you need a job. Maybe you need a friend. Sometime I'll talk to a person. Normally it's a lady who verbalizes this. Men may think it, but ladies more freely say it. And I've had through the years ladies say to me, you know, John, I've got a great husband. We've got a great family. But would you just pray for me? I need a female friend who I can confide in, who we can just have girl talk together. Now, you don't ever hear a guy say something like that as much, but uh, sometimes you'll hear a girl say that. And so maybe today, when you think about a divine connection, you're not thinking about a spouse. You're thinking about a friend or a job, something else. So I want to just mention three components to a divine connection. And as these three components all come together, God typically does amazing things. First of all, a divine, in a divine connection, I want you to think about the recipient of the divine connection, the person who receives the blessing. And in our story today, it is Ruth. Look in chapter number 2, verse 1. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him, in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. And so Ruth goes out into the field. She's not thinking she's about to meet her husband. She's just thinking, I've got to have food. Naomi has to have food. And so she goes out into the field, and she becomes the recipient of this divine connection. Now, as we think about Ruth's life, I see two great qualities that she had that each of us needs if we're going to experience divine connections. First of all, Ruth was committed to God. She was committed to God. We would say it this way, she was saved. She had given her heart to the Lord. Back in chapter 1, if you'll look in verse 16, here is Ruth's confession of faith. She said this to her mother-in-law, Naomi, while they were still living in Moab. Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. 
And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. And so here, Ruth gives her heart to the Lord. She had grown up worshiping false gods. She had learned about God from Naomi, the true God. And so she said, your God will be my God. I give my heart to God. I want to become a part of the family of God. And so she was committed to God. Now, this is a good time for me to ask you, have you ever made that same commitment? Are you committed to God? In the first service, a young lady came forward. She gave her heart to the Lord. She committed her heart to Christ. And in order for us to experience all that God has for us to experience in this life, and certainly in the life beyond, we have to be committed to God. We must place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Ruth, in an Old Testament sense, had done that. And then, not only was she committed, but she was faithful in life. In other words, Ruth was one of those people who did what she could. She was out in the field. She was gleaning. There were so many things Ruth couldn't do, but that was something she could do. And so she went out into the field, and she went to work. I've noticed this. God tends to steer moving ships. In other words, when a person is moving in life, trying to be faithful, trying to fulfill the responsibilities that he or she has in their family, in their ministry, in their personal life, just trying to be faithful, not perfect, none of us are perfect, but trying to be faithful as best as he or she can, God orchestrates and God directs those people's lives and those people's steps. And so Ruth was that type of person. She was committed to God and she was faithful in life. Now, not only was she the recipient of, of this divine connection, but we see that God was the orchestrator of the divine connection. He was the one who brought these two together. Look in verse number 3. Notice how smoothly this happened. When God does something, by the way, it's always smooth. It always flows. It does, there doesn't really have to be very much effort on our part, at least when it comes to meeting somebody. Verse 3, Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. So the writer of this book says Ruth is out there in the field. She's doing what she can. And she happened to come upon Boaz, or the part of the field that belonged to Boaz. She just happened to do it. And it just seemed so natural. And really, from a human perspective, it was natural. But from God's perspective, it wasn't natural at all. It was supernatural. God was ordering Ruth's steps. God was directing Boaz's steps. They couldn't see it. They didn't know each other. But God was in the process of bringing the two of them together. And so, you see God working in this situation. Now, there's a scripture verse you might want to write down. In Psalm 37, in verse 23, the Bible says, The steps of a righteous person are ordered by the Lord. Let's say that together. The steps of a righteous person are ordered by the Lord. What's that mean? It means as we try, first of all, we're committed to God, we're saved, and we're trying to faithfully fulfill the responsibilities that we have. The Bible says for that type of person, God will order our steps. God will lead us. We can't always tell what he's doing. We can't always tell why we end up here or there going through this. But God is sovereign and God is always directing and God is always leading our steps. And that's exactly what he did here. Since the story today is about Ruth and Boaz, and that's clearly a, a marriage story, it's so easy to see even in the Bible how God brings men and women together 
who eventually get married. I think about Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Rachel, Moses and Zipporah, Mary and Joseph, and many others through the Bible who were just living their lives, committed to God, trying to be faithful to the responsibilities that they have, and God supernaturally brought them together. But again, it's not just marriage. It can be a friendship. It can be a job. Some today here, you're already married, so you've already got that divine connection, or, but, but you need a job. You need something else. And so But what I'm saying is if you'll just continue to serve God and go with Him, He will bring that divine connection into your life at the right time and the right way. And maybe now would be a good time for me to say this. You know, sometimes in life, we look at our lives and we think, okay, here's where I am in life. I need this divine connection. And so we pray, God, I need this divine connection. And it doesn't happen. Well, if you pray for something and it doesn't happen, there's only one of two two possible reasons for that. Reason number one, even though you think you need that connection, God knows you don't need that connection, or maybe God knows you do need it, and yet the time's not right. Some of you may be very unhappy in your job, and you're praying, God, give me a new job, give me a divine connection, and nothing's happening, and you're, you're still in your same job. Well, if nothing changes in your circumstance, you have to interpret that as God saying to you, for right now, you need to be in your job. Other people here today, probably in both services, who are single, and you really have a desire to be married, and you've been praying, God, I pray for a spouse, I need this divine connection, and yet you're still single. God doesn't seem to be answering that prayer. Well, if that's the case, you have to either interpret that as, you know what, maybe God doesn't want me to be married. Maybe God wants me to stay single. And if God wants me to stay single, I'm better off single than I would be married. Or maybe God does want you to be married, but the time's not right. What I'm saying is, whether it's a job or a spouse or a friend or whatever the situation, you put it in God's hands and let Him decide what is best for you and when that is best for you. He is the divine orchestrator. He is the divine connector. And He knows what we truly need. And He knows how to bring that person or that job or that situation or that relationship into our lives at just the right time. And so we can't demand that God do what we think we need. We have to trust God to do what He knows is best. Now, as we think about not only the recipient of this connection, which was Ruth, and the orchestrator of the divine connection, which was God, think just for a moment about Boaz, the divine connection himself, the blessing himself. What was it about Boaz that made him such a tremendous blessing to Ruth? Well, I want us to think about that. First of all, Boaz's name literally means in him is strength. In him is strength. In God is strength. And so Boaz drew his strength from God. He was a very strong man. And so God knew that at this time in her life, Ruth, who was so vulnerable, who didn't really have anything, she needed somebody who could provide for her. Well, that's exactly what Boaz did for Ruth. He provided for her. He met her needs. He actually became her husband. And it's just a beautiful story. And today, as you have uh, listened and thought about the relationship between Ruth and Boaz and how they became such a divine connection for each other, maybe something has come into your mind, something, a thought that you need a divine connection. You need a friend or a job, or maybe you're single and the desire of your heart is to be married and you're praying for a spouse. I would encourage you today to follow the example of Ruth. 
She was the one who had lost so much. Think about what Ruth had been through. She had lost her husband. She had moved from her home to a completely different country. She had left her parents and everything that was familiar to her. And now she's in Bethlehem. She doesn't really know anybody there except for Naomi, her mother-in-law. And yet, at the lowest time in Ruth's life, God brought a fellow named Boaz into her life, and he became a divine connection for her. And God can do the same thing for you today. And so I would encourage you to follow Ruth's example. Be committed to God. If you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, that is step one to receiving all the wonderful things that God has for you. Just receive Jesus Christ. Ask Him to be your Lord and to be your Savior. And then after you've done that, I would encourage you just be faithful to God. Do what you can. That's what Ruth was doing there in Bethlehem. There were so many things she couldn't do, but one thing she could do was to get out there in those fields and pick up that grain and Just be faithful as best you could. And that's what God is expecting from us. He doesn't expect us to do things we can't do, but he does expect us to do things that we can do. And so just be faithful at home, in your family, at work, in your relationships, on your job, in your in every area of your life, just be faithful and God will honor that. What I'm saying today and what the Bible makes so very clear is that God is a God of divine connections. He knows who we need and he knows when we need those people into our lives. And I think of a verse in the book of Psalms in Psalm 37 and verse 23 that says, the steps of a righteous person are ordered by the Lord. And so if we're trying to live the right kind of life, if we're trying to go God's way, He has a way of ordering our steps and causing us to be at the right place at the right time, causing us to meet people that he wants us to meet who he knows will be a tremendous blessing to us. And so God is a God of divine connections. And so you should be encouraged today. As you go about your day, you should be looking for that person or for that opportunity that could be a divine connection and that could be a real blessing to you. But I would give one word of warning here as we think about divine connections. And I think this is very important. Don't be so focused on divine human connections that you miss out on the ultimate divine heavenly connection, and that is Jesus Christ. I think so many times, even as Christians, we look for the things that we want in life, a better job, a relationship, whatever it might be, a new friend, and we are so fixated and so focused on those things and people we think we need in our lives that it's almost like we forget that in the person of Jesus Christ, we already have the greatest blessing that we could ever have. I think there's some Christians, and maybe we've all been guilty of this at times. I hope we haven't, and if we have, I hope we won't do it anymore. But I think sometimes as Christians, there's the temptation to look at God as someone who gives us things. In other words, We need a job, so we go to God. We need a relationship, so we go to God. We need more money, and so we go to God. We have a need, and so we go to God. We know that God is a God of divine connections. We know that God can order our steps and bring people into our lives, and so we just naturally go to God and ask Him to do that. Well, there's nothing wrong with that unless we're more focused on the blessings than we are on God Himself. And friend, I just want to remind you today, the greatest blessing that God has ever given us is Jesus Christ. He is far more important than any other blessing you'll ever receive. He is the ultimate divine connection. Your greatest need if you're single is not for a spouse. 
If you're unemployed, it's not for a job. If you're sick, it's not to be healed. These things are important, and I'm not saying they're not. But I'm saying this, your greatest need is to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And as we think about divine connections, it may be today that this radio program, Peace by Believing, is God's divine connection to you. Wherever you are and whatever you may be going through and wherever you're listening to this program today, I believe that you're not listening by accident. I believe the program itself is a divine connection. These moments that we have through the radio to spend this time together, I believe is God's divine connection for you. And I believe through this program today, God is saying, hey, your greatest need is Jesus. If you've never received him, receive him now. If you've already have him, focus on him and be grateful for him. And so I encourage you to do that. If you'd like to receive Jesus Christ, pray this prayer right now. Say, dear Jesus, come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. I trust you to do it. Welcome to my heart, Lord. Begin to make me the person you want me to be. In your name I pray, amen. Friend, thanks for listening today. God bless you.